Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Georgia. With me is Greg Velasquez in Iowa. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Thanks for downloading this episode of Scuffed. The U.S. beat Haiti 1-0 to open their Gold Cup campaign. Let's recap it. Greg, how you doing? I'm good, Bells. I'm doing just one goal better than Mexico fans are doing at the moment. Yeah, 0-0 draw with TNT. Unbelievable. Did you watch that game? Uh, I, I did. And and since we're going to talk about the Gold Cup and since we're talking about Mexico, I feel like the first place we should start is to uh, you know send all of our thoughts to Chucky Lozano, who had the very scary head injury uh, where he collided with the goalkeeper's knee. Kind of took a little shove in the back, which propelled him into the onrushing goalkeeper. Yeah. Really scary scenes uh, and moments there. Um, I think the report is that he's out for four to six weeks, so he'll miss the rest of the Gold Cup. But we'll, we're all hoping he makes a complete recovery. For human reasons and for, you know, the good of CONCACAF as a whole. Um, the game against Haiti was, I think, you know, it's good we got the result. We got the three points. But there's a lot to there's a lot to complain about. Should we start with the <laughs> should we start with the positives? You, you, can you just give me a couple of positives that you took away from the game? Uh, so I think we got another version of or another uh, dose of Kellen Acosta everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, where he he no matter where you sort of stick him and no matter what role you task him with, uh, he looks competent. And again, everything now in this in this uh, recap has to come with the Haiti caveat, and it's the same one we use when we talk about youth teams. Uh, or all Gold Cup group stage games, Haiti are not an, an, a very good team. Uh, and they were missing a couple of players going into this one from uh, for COVID purposes. Uh, COVID purposes, is that how you, how you say that? COVID reasons, I don't know. There's no good way to say it. They, somebody had COVID. Maybe. <laughs> so, so you need to, like when you're evaluating players, it has to, you know, that's the, that's the only benchmark available to evaluate them against is, you know, the level of competition we're playing. And you just sort of have to take that into account. Um, so it's really important that players like look consistently competent because if you don't look consistently competent against a weak team, that's probably that's probably going to be pretty telling uh, when you're up against uh, a slightly or extremely more competent team. And, and honestly, we could even uh, go right to that Mexico outcome and performance as a point of comparison because Mexico didn't get the win. We won. We won the game. Uh, Mexico didn't. So, you know, there's the obvious comparison is like, well, you know. We at least won. I would probably trade performances, though. What, did you get to watch the Mexico game? No, I didn't watch it. I, I saw they, they had like 30 shots in the game. And, uh, you know, so I assume that they were more dominant than we were. Uh, against yeah, Haiti. and that, that's exactly what it was. Like, I think I was 30 minutes into that game. And I was just like, OK, if you're going to have like your bat, the bad game, the game that you're going to complain about uh, against a, a weaker regional team opponent like this is what it should look like it should look like total domination and for whatever reason the ball just won't go across the line uh and that's not necessarily what we see and it's the pattern of sort of when the u.s has bad games that's not usually what it looks like it's never the case that we are just you know hovering around the edge of their 18 for 75 out of 90 minutes and we just can't get the thing across the line uh it's always it's it feels like it's uh chance creation is difficult uh, the midfield becomes a slog. Uh, and, and so that's kind of the, the contrast in Mexico's sort of laugher of an outcome and the U.S.'s win that just isn't necessarily pretty. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of our chance creation uh, came through our right side, um, almost all of it, really. And it wasn't it, this wasn't like Pep Guardiola getting to the getting to the end line and then cutting it back to the top of the box. It was basically Shaq Moore pumping crosses across the <laughs> six, and Kellen Acosta with some with a couple of nice uh, involvements to to connect with him or to free people. Yeah, yeah. we'll get to him in the timeline. But uh, and again, that's what you're looking for uh, when you're playing a weaker team is somebody who can just be, look like a total grown up playing against uh, outclassed opponents. Acosta looked like a grown up. I think that. That's very clear. I thought I thought Legette looked like a grown up too. He didn't have his like you know an amazing game or anything, but he was uh, he was grown up. Let's let's do the go ahead go ahead. No no no. Was totally going to agree that even as I'm talking about Acosta, he was none of the none of our guys looked transcendent. No one did, yeah. and and that might be in part because if if you really wanted to look great, you might need a couple more guys around you also looking a lot better. Uh, but we had just 
different places in the 11 uh, that maybe were holding us back a little. Yeah, we'll get into that. Okay, so so the U.S. came out in, uh, I think, the sort of classic 4-3-3. Is, am I right when I say that? Um, yeah, yeah, fairly symmetrical. Turner and goal. Uh, Shaq Moore got the start at right back. That might have been because Reggie Cannon had a hamstring tweak. Um, might it might have started anyway? Who knows? But we did get the, the news that Cannon had a hamstring. You don't think Moore would have started? No, he he wasn't going to start. No, yeah. this was for sure going to be Cannon's game. And I'd I'd be like I feel like if Moore was going to get a game, it would have just been the Martinique game in rotation, and then it would have been Cannon the rest of the way. Uh, remember, Shaq Moore wasn't even going to be on this roster. It was going to be Araujo until. You know, at the last second, Araujo decided he didn't want to be cap tied, and that's why the roster release got pushed back a day because we had to find a replacement for mm-hmm. Araujo. Mm-hmm. The the case the case the case against Greg Berhalter in this game continues to strengthen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, because one of our best players wasn't going to be on the roster. Yeah, he did, yeah, exactly. Wasn't going to be on the roster, and then wasn't even going to start if Cannon hadn't gotten injured. So anyway, I'm the starting thing, but. Yeah, I mean, it's a problem. It's a safe assumption. Yeah, <laughs> Cannon at right back, uh, Walker Zimmerman at right center back, Miles Robinson at left center back. No surprise there on on those two. And then at left back we had Sam Vines. Again, not much surprise. It seemed like he was likely to be the starting left back. The midfield was Jackson Ewell at the six, and then Kellen Acosta and Sebastian Legette as the dual eights. And then our wingers were Jonathan Lewis on the left, Paul Ariola on the right, and then we had Jazzy Sardis at striker. So none of those necessarily qualify as a surprise. Ariel, I think we all had nailed on to start. Um, and then I think Legit, I, we knew Legit and Acosta were highly rated by Berhalter, but I didn't know if they would necessarily start. They were just playing with their club team on Wednesday. Mm. Uh, they stayed with their clubs, didn't join the camp until after their club match, and then would have had a couple of days of recovery. So uh, so again, another another sort of testament to their professionalism when they can get into camp uh, on short on like a short turnaround. And, you know, give the very, very competent performance, the performances they gave. Uh, but I didn't know that they would start. And then there wasn't there. I wouldn't say there was uh, certainty that Ewell was going to get the other the next the start at the six. Um, and I would say there was an element of disappointment to seeing his name there and to seeing Jonathan Lewis's name uh, at left wing. And then also seeing, let's be honest, seeing Zardes as opposed to DK up top. Was there a, a qualifier there? Did, did somebody mention that DK might be having some. Uh, fitness issues yeah like maybe he took a knock in his last game for orlando city and uh i i mean that's that's the one you know i totally support acosta and legit starting at the eights that's fine with me 100 percent. and same with Ariola at right wing of the three others in that front uh six the the one that bothers me the least is artist starting as striker the but obviously lewis and Ewell were not a surprise that they started but sort of a expected disappointment, I guess. Yeah, again, we're, we're going to keep talking about this, I'm guessing, all tournament, that Yule and Lewis are two of Berhalter's sort of cute inclusions, uh, that they're, it's not at all obvious that they belong in this group, uh, even even in, at the B-team level, uh, where, where first-choice guys are all you know taking it easy for the summer. These guys, these guys just don't appear to really help us win soccer games, and, and that's, again, the other standard. If you can't help us beat Haiti at home, uh, you're, we're not going to have a lot of minutes to spare for you, hopefully, uh, in the future. Dude, st- I'm so tired of it. But Berhalter is getting, he's he is so GD stubborn about this. <laughs> it's like, dude, why? I, I don't understand. I don't think anybody understands what's going on here. <laughs> no, you see people like trying to rationalize, like, well, let's just see what the what the rotation plan is or whatever else. But like, I don't even get it with that. I, I don't, I don't understand how there's any need to plan a rotation with you involved when you have three other guys that you could be trying out in that spot. So you could be, you could be running other guys there instead of rotating you at all. Uh, and again, we're kind of going to be in this situation where it looks potentially, I, I guess we don't know. Maybe, maybe Burhalter thinks you did fine there, but based on his, some of his comments after the game, if you read between the lines about, you know, the lack of people wanting to play the ball forward, uh, and then comparing them to people and the way they actually play the soccer game, like you will might be losing his spot as we speak. Um, and now he's he's essentially just like a, a wasted roster spot because it's hard to envision a scenario where he would get bat, play, put back into a game uh, in a meaningful way rather than either Buzio getting the start or just totally changing up our formation and eliminating that position altogether. 
Well, yeah, that's and that's not the only problem with the roster because uh, Ariola went down with a um, hamstring injury, I think, early in the first half, like around the tenth minute. So he comes off. Nico Joachini comes on, a player that I'm rooting for, and I think I think maybe could look better in a different in a different role or in a different setup. Did not look good for most of the game. Did not look like a right winger because he's really just not. You know, he's a left footed striker. He's not. He was. He hit a couple of right-footed crosses. That's not his game. We can't be relying on him to create danger with his right foot from wide. And then, so now, so now we basically have Jonathan Lewis is our only winger, and he was hands down the worst player on the field for the U.S. So we we don't have if Ariel is out for the tournament, which seems I, I don't I haven't heard any news, but it seems possible. likely yeah. at, at least possible. Um, we're we're looking at. Uh, you know, the rest of the tournament with only Jonathan Lewis as a real winger on the roster. It's bonkers. <laughs> Who could have predicted that this roster was strangely constructed? Uh, yeah, it's really strange, man. And we obviously saw the the knock-on effects throughout the game, which I'm sure we'll get into as we get through our chronology. Uh, but that was that was a really, really strange one. Uh, strange decision. The choices didn't seem to make sense at the time. They Nothing that happened in that game uh vindicated would, those decisions yeah nothing nothing vindicated there just just on that note you know we do know zardes has played some time on the wing even for the national team uh not super effective there joe Akini has some time on the wing um, for, for, for cayenne clubs. yeah uh but it's like he's I, I, I checked it and at least uh according to transfer market uh it's like 900 minutes where he's listed as a winger and he has one goal in that time so it's not like i mean he doesn't really produce when he's a forward either at a, at a particularly uh prolific rate yeah, he's but he's not, certainly not, not just you know uh, uh, a real threat. He doesn't appear to be any kind of a real threat uh, from the wing or really <laughs> up top either. He got in some good spots, but yeah, he um, he didn't he didn't. Well, you know, he hit the post the one time. That was a nice that uh, on a I don't know what the xG was on that chance. It was pretty high, and then um, you know he cut in on his left foot once and and hit a decent had a decent go at it, put it off just wide of the post. Um, let's talk about so the better, ha- better than Lewis, more, more productive than Lewis. Absolutely more productive than Lewis. And yeah. So let's talk about the, the Haiti lineup real quick. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Goal, goalkeeper, goalkeeper is Brian Sylvester, uh, who plays for inter in the inter Miami system. And then their, the, their backup keeper, by the way, is, was one of the, uh, COVID, uh, strikes, uh, do, do Verger. Is that how you say I, it? I don't know. And also their starting keeper, right? I mean, it's Sylvester would be third choice, right? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. So Duverger has started their last three matches. He started uh, against Bermuda and against St. Vincent in the Gold Cup playing games, and he started the last Canada game uh, for the world for the Ocho qualifier. Okay. Um, he had that howler of an own goal, but he also made a ton of ridiculous saves. Um, but he had just taken over from uh, Placide, is how I'm going to say it. I don't know whether to use a French pronunciation or a Spanish pronunciation here. Um, but he had been the goalkeeper all through the. Uh, gold cup in 2019 but he's like 38 so they may have just sort of transitioned him they might be transitioning away from him uh, i don't know if that's the case but yes uh Silvestre has not i don't know if he's if he was capped going into that game not that he had a poor game either he no was, he didn't he wasn't he wasn't the problem for get some, get some plays the back line is left to right martin experience uh la france and Ade at center back and then arcus at right back i thought uh experience experience was good he was a good player uh, had a good had a good game he plays in the third division in france and um the double pivot for them was Le- leverton pierre and alsus and then a uh, band of three was dukens nazon Derek etienne and uh, lambese across the from left to right and then the striker was uh, carnahy antoine a uh, big number seven who uh, who did create a little danger? I thought. So Lambese is, is kind of a utility utility man. He doesn't necessarily play striker for them that often. He sometimes will play as like a left fullback. Uh, and and the guy they were the big I think the big attacking piece they were missing uh, was Franci Piero. And I have no idea again if I'm getting the French pronunciation correct there. Uh, but he's the guy who had the hat trick in the Bermuda yeah. play-in game. Um, and there were several times in this game where I was like, oh man wonder what that might have looked like if their best attacker had been there. I think he plays in League 2. I think he's in the French second division. Yeah. Uh I think that's right. And then uh Pierre Pierre also plays in the in Liga 2 
and he was good, I thought, number 14. Um, I thought Ade was pretty good, the center back. Um, I mean, and not, I didn't watch him that closely. And then I, and they tried to do, they tried to run a lot through Derek Etienne, who used to play for the Red Bulls, now plays for Columbus Crew. I, you know, he, he was active, he was buzzy, but he, just like he has been in MLS, not a, um, refined player in the final third. And that definitely showed, um, so let's get in the timeline. Oh, before, right. before we do, I, I asked on, I asked on the discord, which is absolutely hopping right now, in case you were wondering, uh, I asked if I asked for some, some one line questions from people slash comments and Joe McGregor's was <laughs> stop overreacting. So, okay. All right. No more overreactions from us. We're going to react appropriately only the, with the appropriate level of intensity to everything. <laughs> that's, that's a good one though, because you know, no matter what's happening, if that's the only thing happening in the U.S. men's national team universe at the time, it's the most important thing. Uh, but definitely there, there is like a, the costs we're talking about here. If there are mistakes made by Burhalter, if there are things we're learning, uh, they're not necessarily significant. It's still frustrating when, when you're grading against the optimal and what would be the optimal player selection and what would be the optimal way to deploy things. Um, so when you're grading against that and you have what feels like wasteful decisions, it's frustrating but but then the question always comes back to okay, but how costly will it be? Yeah, it seems like it's sort of a self-inflicted uh, issues. But what is the cost for for not getting some of these things right? And it's probably going to be small, given the the likelihood that you know only a half dozen or so of these guys are going to have meaningful roles in the in the actual qualification process. Yeah, but it is you know we're in the weeds been in the weeds since 2018 and so we are grading against the optimal and like that's that's why we get paid the big bucks <laughs> um and then uh one more question from john is do you feel triple g will stick with the current formation or switch to a three-man back line that he went to late last night you know for the next for the upcoming matches do you have a quick take on that greg my quick take is i have no idea yeah uh, that's no idea uh, Sorry, I, I feel like more help. I'll, I'll say this: you know who I feel like might have helped solve some things would have been Christian Roldan. Can can I say that uh, and not incur any wrath? I mean, certainly not going to incur any <laughs> wrath from me. If, if we're talking about the available players left in the camp, uh, if Ariel is out, Christian Roldan seems like the the guy who could either help fill in on the wings, or if we switch to a, like a three five two, potentially be one of those guys who can. Uh, play as like the playmaking one of the playmaking midfielders yeah i mean we'll get we'll get into that let's get into that a little bit more later well no let's get into it right now because because uh john asked the question i think i think i think we'll probably end up going back to a four four i mean my if you put a gun to my head i'd say four three three is what we go back to we just have to put like legit and rolled on on the wings you know or something like that maybe not both probably of them. But it kind of does seem like the best the best option, right? Because then they're basically playing in the half space, which I think they're both comfortable doing. Yeah. Uh, to a to a regional uh, tournament level in the group stages to at least find out, um, and then you still have uh, Acosta and Eric Williamson could play the dual eights with Buzio sitting underneath them, and I wouldn't hate seeing that lineup trotted out. No, no, I think that'd be a great lineup. I mean, considering what we have to work with. Um. Yeah, that, so that one more question before we get into the timeline. Carl asks, the right side looked much stronger than the left. Totally agree with Carl here. Do we know enough about Bello to speculate on whether he would change that? My answer is uh, no. Well, we, we may know enough to speculate. I, I, don't, I don't know enough to say conclusively. I would like to see how Bello looks. I think it's worth trying against Martinique on Thursday. That's my take. Yeah, same, same. I have no idea how Bellow's going to look. I assume he will get uh, a run out uh, Thursday. Um, but just like with Haiti, that, that game will come with probably even larger caveats. Mm. Uh, did you watch Canada versus Martinique? I watched the highlights. I saw that it was a 4-1 victory for Canada. So Canada missing Alfonso Davies still could at will just hit the, hit, hit the ball out to their left sideline with, with whoever Alfonso Davies' replacement was out there. I didn't actually catch who it was. And he could just do the old hit the ball past the uh, Martinique's right back and then run past him and get to the end line and, you know, cut him out of the play. Um, so 
it, if, if Bellow's going to look good, he will look good against Martinique. Yeah. Oh, it was Tom Buchanan, right? He was playing left wing for Canada. Okay. And he's that good. Could, that he's, been he's, a, he's a he's a good player. Um, okay, let's go to the timeline. There we go. I love a chronology, and there were a lot. Of, there were a lot of uh, chronologies. Yeah, I went. I kind of went. Uh, I went ham on the chronology last night. It, it was busy. I, I think I saw the first tweet I saw because I'm never watching in real time with these. Uh, the first thing I saw was uh, Waki saying, <laughs> at, "At least things are happening." So yeah, he wasn't wrong. Yeah, I I noticed immediately that Shaq Moore was creating danger down the right, so I I, I have to note that even though there's not a specific uh, timeline moment yet, uh, no no real like guilt edge chance, chances created from it, but just like we got our penetration through the right side from Shaq Moore, combination of Shaq Moore, Walker Zimmerman, and Kellen Acosta, which was a, a trio that will come up repeatedly in this timeline. Third minute uh, chance for Haiti. It's for Carnahi Antoine. He starts with an it starts with an errant pass from Sam Vines into the box. So Vines gets it on with his back to the sideline. Sort of missed I don't know, he a miscommunication with uh with Legette, I think. Uh Legette makes is making a run to the end line and Vines passes it square to him and it's a quick transition because Legette can't get back to it. And Haiti hits uh, Antoine in the space behind Vines, which is you know completely open. That leaves Robinson, Miles Robinson, 1v1 with him. And Antoine does Robinson, which is kind of troubling to see. But then, and you think, well, Robinson's dead, left for dead here, but he fights back and for the ball and forces Antoine back. Crisis averted. So a couple, I think a couple things there, Vines' sloppiness uh, and Robinson's recovery ability uh, stick out to me. So one of the one of the subtle things, and I promise I'm not just gonna you know pile on Jackson Ewell on everything. It's not like everything is Jackson Ewell's fault. Um, but you see here one of the uh, issues with playing him as that six, uh, because when that first turnover happens, uh, Ewell, who is who's sitting sort of back behind all of the uh, the you know the amoeba of players, his initial reaction is actually to like step forward slightly. He's not in no position to make a play on the ball, so he just like jumps forward like. Uh, uh, like he's going to jump a pass and he gets his body and shoulders like squared up to the field. Um, and while he's doing that, two of Hades attackers are flanking him on either side and they're drifting ever so slightly upfield. And that's the pass that they hit. That's their uh, Im- immediate pass out of that turnover is to hit the ball past Jackson Ewell. And he's taken Ewell has taken himself out of the play and left two attackers deeper than him. So that's just one of those. It's just a read. Yeah. And, and again, I don't want to like put all of the, blame on Jackson Newell but it's just one of those reads that you probably take for granted when an actual like defensive midfielder with more of that defensive emphasis is playing and and you know will naturally like sense where the danger will be in one pass or two passes and will you know almost subconsciously drift into that area yeah and uh it it came up a couple other times as well which is why it stood out to me for you all in this case I didn't notice that so thanks for bringing it up uh and he has a weird way of squaring his shoulders to the play like Rather than that sort of half side on look that most defenders will adopt, so that they can break backwards if they need to, or they can break forward, yeah. he has to he has to very inefficiently change his body shape to try to chase the play. And if he's chasing a play, there's not much of a chance of him catching up to it either. Fourth minute, uh, Acosta in the press wrecks Leverton Pierre and and plays a good pass into Zardes's feet. I noticed this because Acosta was quite active in the press and you know he jumped on these chances to like create a moment of transition he he plays this ball right into Zardes's feet at the top of the box between the center backs this is sort of a classic Zardes first touch is negative and he coughs it up I mean I think I would hope Sargent could do better there Uh, maybe even DK you know like take a touch take a positive touch and get a shot off from about 16 yards but definitely Zardes didn't in this case Reyna or Pulisic certainly would get something yeah done you're there. you're at least you at least need to extend the play you can't have the play die right there with a bad touch so if you can't if you realize you don't have the space to take a touch and get a shot off you've got to collect it and draw you know there's a ton of gravity for a, a guy with the ball at the top of the box there all of the defense is going to collapse to you so then you need to be able to release it to another player who could be a, in a dangerous spot nice play from acosta just uh and Zard, I'm not dogging on Zardes. It's just like this is his this this is his limitation. You know, this is yep. the kind of player. And, he is. and we're grading against the optimal. <laughs> yeah. 
Fifth minute, uh, another chance for Haiti. Yule gets done on a 1-2 by Derek Etienne. And this was pretty dangerous. This is actually a pretty dangerous moment. It's a nice uh, nice give and go, I think, with Pierre, but I, I'm not sure about that. It could have been with uh, Antoine. And it springs Etienne into the box free. You know, he, he's one-on-one with the goalkeeper, at least for a, a beat or two. And he takes a shot with his right foot, and it's pretty bad. Just scuffed it. So, again, I promise, I promise, this isn't going to be all coming down on Yule. But this is another one of those defensive mid situations where uh, did you notice how expansive the field felt when Haiti got the ball in this situation? No, I didn't. They they, they get this ball out wide and and you will just kind of shades along with the play. But we have the numerical advantage here. He has both center backs and I think uh, Shaq Moore back there with him. And we have more numbers than them. There's no reason to sit back and let uh, at the end sort of just walk the ball up. In, into half a field of space and then hit the pass he wants and make his give and go. And it's just one of those things where I think a more seasoned defensive midfielder realizes that, hey, we've got numbers here. I can go attack this player and force him to uh, make a make a, a decision uh, on my timeline because we're we're numerically superior. Yeah, it was what? It was like two on five or something like that. Right, so there's no reason to shade off of him and let him pick whatever, wait for the movement that will open things up for the one-two and then make the pass under no pressure and then continue to run and still beat you somehow, uh, which is also suboptimal. Yeah, so so an opening five minutes that aren't great for Jackson Yule, and, I, and unfortunately it doesn't get any better for him, really. Uh, Sixth minute, uh, a corner kick. We get a corner kick off a good long diagonal ball from Zimmerman to Lewis. Um I don't know, 50 yards, 50 yard diagonal. The defender gets a toe on it and it goes out for a corner. I'm not sure Lewis was going to get to it or what he would have done with it if he had gotten to it, but it was a good pass. And on the ensuing corner, Yule shakes his man at the back post. It kind of falls to him, feels somewhat random. And then he, he, uh, he taps it back into the mixer straight across honestly think he could have had a shot there you know he had the he just didn't have his feet quite right but he put it back in the mixer and it and Zimmerman nearly overheads it in or sort of side sidewinder overhead hybrid just off the crossbar it caroms downward and Zardes has another go with an overhead kick and this one is saved by Silvestra uh the crowd appreciated it this was a nice uh exciting bit of play yeah, good-looking set piece. We just came off the Mexico game where our set pieces were outstanding, so it's nice to see us do uh, something good without like uh, the Weston McKenney in God mode. Mm-hmm. And I've got I've got no problem with you making that decision here. I've, it, the worst decision you can make is the is the in between where you can't don't quite have your feet right, but you try to sc- score it anyway and just waste a chance out of bounds. Yeah. Uh, so so this was you know out of the, out of the options available. Totally acceptable. Well done. You will on this one. Okay. Okay. Yep. 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 Eighth minute, we get our goal. A lot to like about it, really, for me. Uh, a deci- uh, so a decisive, intelligent diagonal run from Acosta from the middle of the park to the right corner of the box. Uh, just like he's just, he knows what he's going to do and he's doing it decisively. Uh, Zimmerman plays the ball to him. It's a nice pass, breaks two lines to get to him as Ariola checks into the channel towards Zimmerman. And then Acosta taps it out wide to Moore, who whips a low ball into the six. It isn't the best cross, uh, but, and so it gets, to, it gets a defender gets a foot on it and it it sort of skips through to Zardes. Zardes gets a foot to it as it skips through and he flicks it to the back post where Vines thumps it home. And I, you know, people are mocking Zardes for saying he didn't specifically intend to pass it to Vines, which is maybe true, probably true. But it, that for me, that's a very clever touch and a good idea um, in a situation that I, I don't know that that's guaranteed from any of our other strikers. So I got I give Zardes plenty of credit for that assist. And you know, Vines did what he had to do, put it away. Uh, a free header at the six. It would have been a shocker if he hadn't done so. Yeah, no, that's definitely credit to Zardes. And just like we talked about in the last one, he didn't extend the play, like the ball that came into him from Acosta earlier. Uh, the play died right there. This is an excellent job of realizing that there's no way he's going to get a shot off. There's nothing he can do to score. So he just says, all right, well, where might there be somebody who, you know, hopefully there will be somebody in, an, in a dangerous spot over here and keeps it alive. And did you did you see uh, how Haiti was kind of defending at that point? Not really. No, not. I don't know what you're about to say. <laughs> 
the the game had been so wide open to that point. Haiti was kind of in their four two four, and they kind of oscillate between this. They four two four is like their default formation, uh, where they're just they just flying forward with all these numbers. And then you know when they get a chance and settle down, they defend in a four four two often. So this was still in the four two four, and that's how that's how Acosta. Uh, read it too and that's why he moved into that space there's no left midfielder to help with things so that's that ball from Zimmerman was available because Acosta could sort of had a giant lane to run into where there was just no Haiti midfield um, and it was good coordinated movement don't get me wrong um, between Ariola and Acosta right and more uh, but that's that's sort of what was available and that's the same reason Sam Vines was wide open on the back post was because there just is no right midfielder over there it's just the two center mids uh, move shot like shuttling side to side, so they've moved all the way over with the ball to more, and there just is no weak side help. A little, a little bit of we can we can blame Haiti for defending poorly here. Basically, is is what you're saying? Well, it's just there's going to be if if a teams are going to defend that uh, aggressively, I, I or leave players upfield uh, that much, there's going to be openings. And again, it's a good. Uh, Good things happen when you sort of force the issue against weaker teams. You you exploit the advantages you have, both in organization and talent. And so that's this is sort of a case of you get the payoff from this when you force the issue. And uh, to Haiti's credit, they did settle settle in and get a little more conservative and made it more difficult for us to do those things. But we capitalized on it early enough uh, to take the lead. That's and that's you give you give we'd give credit to the Haiti coach for recognizing at this point that they probably needed to be more conservative and, or maybe the, maybe the players made the decision collectively. I don't know, <laughs> but it, it did get a lot harder for us to break them down for the next 80 minutes. <laughs> and I think some of that had to do with, uh, with Ariola's in, injury. So which is coming right up on the timeline, which I'm going to try to go through a little bit faster. So yeah, tenth, we got to speed this up. 10th minute, uh, bad Ewell diagonal. Just have to mention that he tries to play a, a diagonal to Lewis and it doesn't, it's nowhere close. 11th minute, Zimmerman to Acosta again, this time to Ariola. A nice move, another nice move up the right. And it looked like Ariola uh, pulled his hamstring or something as he's chasing the ball down and he, he hits across high into the stands. Uh, sure enough, he was hurt and he came off for Joe Acchini. I This, I think this had a big effect on our, our game because I, I don't know, I can't pinpoint exactly why, but uh, something, Ariola was doing something right that Joe Acchini wasn't quite able to do. Apparently. Uh, yeah. And I'll have to rewatch to see, you know, to really get a look at Joe Acchini's movement uh, in conjunction with Acosta and more to see if that if he if things got kind of gummed up um, or if it was just a matter of Haiti sagging extra midfielders back and being like, OK, we'll defend seriously, I guess. Probably a combination of the two, as uh, as uh, the, the Daryl Grove would say, things can be two, two things, you know. Twelfth uh, minute, nice more cross that nearly reaches Zardes at the near post. Another one a few minutes later. Uh, he's just, I mean, at this point, Moore is just pumping the ball into the six over and over again. Fifteen, fifteenth minute or so, Yule gets caught on the ball. There were two notable moments like this in the game where he's just too slow on the ball and he gets he gets dispossessed, and it's just not it's just not acceptable at this point. I don't think from our six. Eighteenth minute. Another nice combination up the right wing between Zimmerman, Acosta, and Moore results in another good cross from Moore. Uh, now here's twenty minute, 20th minute is when we get the big chance for Haiti, the the one where uh, Etienne hits it off the side side netting. It starts with Haiti working the ball around the right to Lambese, and Vines chases him into his own half as our. Arcus, the right back, makes a run up the sideline with Legette tracking him. So at but at the time when Ricardo Ade, the the center back, hits that good ball to the left back Mart, Martin Martin experience, uh, Legette is the one on Arcus and Vines is way forward in the field, and uh, experience hits this lovely switch to Arcus in behind, and you're thinking like, where is Vines? What's going on? Why is nobody? with Arcus because he's wide open. And I think it's mostly, I think it's mostly on Leggett in this case, maybe a, a little bit on Yule too, for not recognizing the, what was going on, not seeing it. But I don't know that you can really blame Vines that much on this one, unless he, unless he's just wildcatting by going up <laughs> to like follow. Even if, 
even if he is, he's not invisible while he's doing it. So, you know, Legette's made the switch, and it's at that point Legette's job to stay until you can safely switch back, I would say. Yeah. So, and I think we actually saw this kind of play out uh, against Switzerland quite a few times. Uh, and Switzerland were very deliberate about it, where from from a normal buildup, like they didn't they didn't have that really disguised switch that uh, Haiti hit to go from right to left initially. Like Switzerland would just hold the ball in the back and bring both their wide players back to draw up our fullbacks, and then they'd look to see if they could catch McKenney or Legette napping and hit the ball in behind them to to their man running. Uh, so that's what it kind of reminded me of. And sure enough, like we were napping, and and then we. Uh, in our sort of uh, desperation recovery mode, both Legit and Ewell uh, worked back to the same space to back up Robinson rather than one going by Robinson, the other one uh, guarding the top of the box. And and so that's how they ended up with a wide open look rather than a contested look. Yeah. And again, no, not even trying to say, I, if anyone, I'd say it was probably on Legit as well. You actually see Ewell's arm come up calling out that, that guy who ended up being the shooter. So uh, I think Legit's going to suffer on this one in the video room. That's my take on it too. It's a well-struck shot by Etienne, but he hits it wide, and uh, it kind of looks like it goes in because it because it ruffles the net, but the wrong, from the wrong side. And Etienne knows he's got to hit a perfect shot there to beat Matt Turner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I mean, he it wasn't because of Matt Turner that he needed to hit a perfect shot. His angle was he could only shoot at the near the near post. Yeah, he had to, he was trying to roof it, which is the right play, but yeah. just just missed. Yeah, that'd been quite a that'd been quite a finish if he had done it really. Um, so you know we're we're definitely not dominating this game. We're giving up chances here and there. Twenty uh, third minute, Joe Aquino can't cross with his right foot, but he so he couldn't. You know he had a couple chances to cross with his right foot, and it just looked like uh, he wasn't going to be able to do that in any sort of dangerous way. So he chips one at the back post after another nice bit of. Uh, interplay from Zimmerman and Moore that cross is cut out and uh you know basically all our danger is coming through Zimmerman's distribution and Shaq Moore from wide right and I gotta say you know I'm I thought I mean Zimmerman rose in my estimation in this game because of that and he I thought he played I didn't see any problems from him defensively do you disagree uh no Maybe a few, maybe a couple issues defensively in those. Uh, uh, I don't want to call them jailbreaks. They weren't jailbreaks for Haiti running the other way. Um, but for the most part, no, I agree. Um, again, it's an issue where we weren't getting the distribution from the the position that you would normally get the distribution from or that you'd expect it to. And so I feel like Zimmerman did a good job of taking on more of that responsibility. Uh, I, I and- appreciate how you're softening the blow <laughs> by calling it the position that you would normally get the distribution from. Isn't that some amazing passive sentence structure? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I don't want to harp too much. Yeah. Uh, in part because it's it's it feels like uh, yesterday may have been the end of of, of that era of the Jackson Newell to six era. But we'll have to see. We'll have yeah. to see. I mean, that that the end of that era has been called before. <laughs> um. Okay, and then thirty six minute. I I just want to mention this. Legette was offside, but. There was a really nice combination between he and uh, Shaq Moore. Uh, Moore kind of wins the ball towards Legette. Legette comes from offside to in front of the center back and flicks it with his left foot in behind from Moore, who's doing sort of that um, that run that Fa- Fabian Johnson did against Turkey in the uh, pre World Cup tune up in Seattle, where he just like he just slammed it with his left foot. One of the one of the nicest goals in national team history for my money. Um, chipped in behind by Michael Bradley. So it's, it's a little bit of a same feel to it. Moore doesn't put it in the back of the net. It didn't matter because he was off because Legette was offside anyway. And I, I slowed it down and it was pretty clear to me that he was offside, even from a poor angle. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> good moment though. Good yeah, aesthetics. Yeah. We, like, we, we need some good aesthetics when we're playing uh, weaker teams. And the 42nd minute Lewis wastes a good transition moment, dallying on the ball. And this is probably a good time to say, Lewis, I don't think he did anything positive in this game. Did, did he? I, I I haven't checked his yet. I did the Ewell rewatch, which is why I feel okay saying, you know, what his weak spots were. Because it's not just a couple that stood out in the mind. It's like, okay, there were these and there weren't any, you know, big positives to balance them out. 
uh, I'm assu- I think the Lewis rewatch will go about the same way. I don't know. I don't remember a positive that would balance out any of the ineffective moments. Yeah, no danger uh, created. I mean, he 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 was uh, he was active in the press. You got to give him that. He was pretty. He worked hard pressing Haiti and did create some uncomfortable moments for them. We were stagnant. I thought we looked pretty stagnant for the last 20, 25 minutes of the first half, as opposed to we had we created some stuff in the first 10, 15. And then Ewell gets caught on the ball again in the 42nd minute. Another more cross in the 43rd minute. Uh, Zardes probably should have gotten a foot on this one on the bounce, but it's raining, and, you know, Zardes is is not someone that we we criticize that much anymore on this podcast <laughs> uh 47th minute so second minute minute of stoppage time a uh, good little bit of work from vines to cut inside from the left and break down haiti with a good pass to acosta in the middle of the park and this is where one of the nice moments from acosta in the game he just turns and pings it in behind to joachini and then you see that joachini's not much at running in behind and doing stuff with the ball from the right wing his windup takes forever. He tries to cross it with his right foot. I'm not sure there was anybody there. And uh, the cross is blocked by experience. Uh, that 22-year-old playing in the third division of France who had a very nice game, in my opinion. And on the ensuing corner, Leggett ends up lifting a ball at the back post and Zimmerman heads it right at Silvestre. So an, another decent chance on a set piece. Walker Zimmerman, set piece monster. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that matters uh, when you're when you're fighting for that probably i don't know i don't even know what center back spot we're saying is up for grabs now i feel like it changes every discussion people have let's let's settle it here which center back spots are up for grabs oh well, three three and on are up for grabs in my opinion i think it's okay. i think i think brooks and richards are for me and I, I that's not i'm not greg berhalter obviously but for me brooks and richards are like locked in and then everybody else is fighting for three four five six seven McKenzie, McKenzie, yeah, McKenzie, McKenzie is is probably in pole position for number three, I guess, but it's hard to say. So we we could maybe say McKenzie is the guy to beat for third spot right now. Uh, yeah, I guess. I think that's I, fair. After he he beat out Zimmerman, or I'm sorry, he beat out Miazga clearly uh, in Nations League. Yeah. I mean, okay. Z- Zimmerman's more dangerous than McKenzie on set pieces, no doubt about that, and uh, probably more athletic than McKenzie. But yeah, we don't have to get into that too much, I suppose. Well, I just wanted to know which I, I kind of like want to think about which uh, which of these like are, are they are Zimmerman and Miles both competing for essentially one remaining spot, or is it uh, is it still kind of a free for all after Brooks, and then what we assume uh, is the number two spot locked up by Richards with Aaron Long's injury. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it should be open. I think it should be open to, I think Robinson and Zimmerman should both have a shot at McKenzie's spot. I imagine, imagine maybe we'll see five center backs in the, in the camps and uh, maybe not. I'm just making stuff up as I go here. <laughs> we will. We should see five. I'd expect five in these three, three match windows. All right. You? Keep okay. going with the chronology. I, okay. I half, broke up your rhythm. Half t- half time came and went. And then the 50th minute. Another decent chance for Haiti. A good ball from Arcus to the top of the box, and Antoine uh, gets you know just on rushing, gets a foot on it, puts it right at Turner. Um, that came through our left side again. Fifty-first uh, minute uh, corner kick that Joaquini whiffs on pretty much at point blank with a free header. Now it traveled near the header, the head of the defender. So I personally would have missed it completely. <laughs> That those are hard to you know something about the ball going right by the head of the defender right in front of you is very disorienting to me at least. But I would like Joaquini to do a little better there. That's fair. Fifty fourth minute, uh, a little attack sprung by Acosta to Leggett. So Acosta plays the key pass out of pressure in the back to Leggett, who drives forward through the middle and finds Joaquini wide. This is where Joaquini cuts in and has one on his left foot. It's a decent go, just wide of the far post. And in the 62nd minute, things start to look a little brighter. Gianluca Busio gets his debut coming on for Yule, and DK comes on for Lewis. The crowd in the West Kansas City Metro goes wild for Busio. I mean, they've cheered every move he made, every touch. 
and good uh, on them. That's great. Yeah, it's That's a great atmosphere. It's a nice moment, and that, this is when Zardes moved to the left wing. Yeah, the the front three the front three just still didn't make any sense. <laughs> and I, I so, so we're at this point looking at DK Zardes and Joe Akini as our yeah striker and half space merchants. Yeah, and DK. You know, DK had almost no impact on the game. Um, and I don't know, you know, is that disappointing when we're when we're assessing DK or is that just, I don't know, the kind of game it was. I don't know. It's tough, man. Like, because, so here's why it's tough. Because DK comes into the game, we're playing, we're, we're flanking him with Zardes and Giacchini. This very obviously is not a personnel group that lends itself to, like, the beautiful game. Is that fair to say? The, I, think, I think that's the, fair to say. Disorganize the opponent with possession, uh, w- at least with those guys in the roles of, again, target forward and half space merchants. Uh, so, but we're not going to switch. We're not just going to be like, okay, well, let's just start hitting the ball up to these three fellas and letting them, uh, you know, destroy uh, a mediocre Haiti back line. So, so we're in that in between zone where no one's really set up to look very good, but we still managed to put some things together, which is nice. Mm hmm. Yeah, it was just disappointing that DK, you know, DK didn't, I I don't know that he had a single positive, really positive moment, you know, um, in nearly a half an hour. So uh, Acosta, 65th minute, Acosta to Moore, and he beats a guy and keeps his feet in sort of dramatic fashion and fizzes another one in that, that uh, hits like DK's heel a little behind him. And it, it loops up, and it gets recycled to Acosta. And this is another really nice moment from Acosta. Just uh, slips a lovely outside of the boot pass to Joachini in behind. Joachini hits the far post with his left foot. He opens up. I think he does pretty much everything right. His first touch is good. Opens up. Just uh, hits the post. Gets all of the post. Doesn't graze it. And it. And uh, I don't know what the XG was on that shot, but it's pretty good. Pretty good chance focus here for me is Acosta's pass because I thought that was uh, fantastic. Now Agreed. again, uh, on all of these, we're going to get to the next one too um, when we talk about it, but Haiti's back line is a mess and it's it's got that sort of gold cup group stage messy back line feel to it where if, you, if you're looking at the ball come back to Acosta from more, what you end up seeing are like two separate lines from Haiti. Like they have their, uh, their left back and their left center back kind of up high, pressed up high with more and Acosta and then their right center back and right back are like four yards deeper uh, than that on their own line mm-hmm. that they're holding. So you see uh, Joe Akini just sort of drifting. And, and normally, you know, if you're just looking at him and those two defenders next to him, you're like, oh, he's like three yards offside. Uh, but then, you you know, your eyes kind of scroll down. And you're like, oh, they have weak side defenders just totally out of the picture, but um, holding the guy onside. Oh, so so- it, it, it just goes back to those. It's still a great outside of the foot ball. Like the technique is still there and he still has to split the defenders to get it into the path of, Joachini, but Joachini has such a massive head start on the defenders defending him that doesn't is probably not going to exist in the knockout rounds. Okay, I didn't notice that. I thought maybe I didn't know anybody was holding him onside. I thought maybe it was just really well timed. Um. Okay, and then 69th minute, a moment of danger up the right from Haiti as Zardes pursues. Uh, Got to credit him for that because he's playing wing now and he's playing defense all the way back in his uh, into his own six. Uh, there's a cut. There's a cutback pass and Moore cuts it out. Which... So I I appreciate you uh, giving Zardes the credit for pursuing the play, but this is also and, and I'm not trying to blame Zardes here because he is a center forward. He hasn't played wing probably in three years, uh, but he's pursuing because he got beaten so badly down the flank that that he had to chase the play. So yeah. Uh, the ball got played into Sam Vines' man, and so uh, who'd pinched in a little bit, almost like a half space merchant. And Vines was up on his back, and the guy held Vines off very easily. But while he was doing that, Zardes' man raced past on the overlap, and Zardes kind of fell asleep for a second, and that's what sprung it. And again, Zardes did good to try to recover, but it was definitely just like a maybe Zardes shouldn't be playing on the wing uh, in 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, no doubt about that. I just think it's cool that he stuck with the play because I'm not sure everybody would do that, you know, in a game like this. I mean, maybe everybody would. I mean, we'd be mad at him if he didn't. But I also noticed that Moore, Moore is the one sort of bailing us out here. 
I there's some sense at least online that more you know more looks better as a wing back than he does as a fullback. Like the question is, can he defend? I don't I don't know where that comes from exactly. I, th- I always thought he was like a pretty solid defender. Um, and this is an example. Seventy second minute, a poor touch from Acosta at the half, and he gets a yellow card for a professional foul to stop a dangerous counter. I think it's definitely a poor touch. He also gets put in a tough situation by Busio. Who's who's on a kind of galloping up through the middle of the park, and then just I plays a pass to Acosta with, with, in a sort of a no win situation, surrounded by three guys. And I this is a, this has been my, one of my knocks on Busio is like these these safe passes are not always safe. You know, just because it's safe to get it to the guy's feet doesn't mean you should make the pass. I don't care how many points you get from Fop Mob for it. <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll push back on this one a little. There were a lot of passes from both Ewell and Busio. Not necessarily Busio, but Ewell had a lot of those where they're like technically forward passes, but they're forward passes to a guy whose only option is very clearly to like bounce it, it back. back all the way back to the defenders probably, um, which whatever, those have a place in, in building rhythm. Uh, but Acosta as the grown-up here, he his first touch should be a lot better. I agree, I agree, 100%. <laughs> yeah, he can, he can get out of that situation by taking a touch and passing it backward. But um, anyway, I just had to grind my axe on the the Busio Fat Mob thing. Love you, Toodle. Love you, Toodle, Ramen. Um, seventy second. No, that we already did that one. Seventy sixth minute. Uh, Sands and Williamson, James Sands and Eric Williamson come on for Joe Akini and more. So Sands is now in the middle of a back three, and Williamson is in the Williamson is in the middle, and Acosta is out to right back. So we're really, you know, just running all kinds of experiments here. <laughs> So we've got we now have Williamson and Buzio in front of a back three, right? Yep. Acosta at right back, Vines is still at left back, I guess wing back at this point, and then we have this front three of. Uh, well, what do we have as the front three? I guess it would be oh no, just Sardis and Sardis DK. and DK as the front two. Who would be the other midfielder? Sebastian Legette, right there. That's right. As our as our like number ten. No, actually, there was a bit of triple pivotness to it, too. Like you saw when when Buzio came in, there was a lot more of like Buzio passing and then cutting, um, which was one of the other issues I had with Ewell so much was that not only could he not like uh, play forward uh, in that as part of that back three with Zimmerman Miles against Hades two forwards like he could he had to be safe all the time, couldn't play forward. But then even when he would get pressured and release the ball, he couldn't like break past that defender who had overcommitted to him. Um, so you're just getting nothing from it. Whereas Buzio was playing and then he would move forward and then you would very seamlessly see, uh, legit sometimes come back to play. Uh, Williamson would come back and play, um, in that deeper space to protect the back line. So there was some, we did get a little bit of the triple pivot. Cool. I didn't really notice that, but I'm glad, I'm glad to hear it, to see it. Um, 77th minute, we get this really electrifying moment from Busio. It's good work to win a header by Leggett. And then Zardis heads it firmly to Busio's feet, which I appreciated. And then Busio clips a clever ball down the left wing for Vines. I know you're going to poo-poo the whole thing because of the <laughs> the back line of Haiti, but it's still a clever pass. And then Vines' cross is cut out, as are almost all of our crosses in this game. And it falls to Busio at the top of the box, and he meets it on the short hop from, I guess, about 20 yards and just crushes it right at Sylvester, but right on, but on frame, you know, it was, it was going to go in if, if the goalkeeper's not there. And if it's one or two yards to either side, it probably is a goal. Um, or at least it's a much tougher save. And now I'm thinking my skepticism about Busio was misplaced. One solid volley and that's it. He's your new regista. No, I I mean I I still have my I still have some skepticism about him, but he this was a nice moment. It would have gone as as Stu Holden said on the broadcast, the roof would have come off the <laughs> Children's Mercy Park if that had gone in. And then, and then just once again for for all the sort of Buzio narrative that exists out there, like I it's there's nothing wrong with being skeptical about any player who has yet to actually do it. Like uh, it, it's different from saying someone shouldn't be there versus I'm not sure if they'll be able to do it you know, against Honduras away or against Mexico at home. Uh, those are just two completely different things. So I, I'm still not sure if Buzio can do it. It's not like last night was amazing. Um, but I'm also not sure if Daryl DK can do it. And I'm not sure if uh, Brendan Aronson can do it. We still have to see that happen uh, in those actual environments before we can say it for, 
you know, for sure. There have been games where Christian Pulisic doesn't do it, you know? I mean, it's it's hard to do it. You can't always do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Busio was, I mean, let's just get into the whole Busio thing. Because there are like three people on Twitter who are very angry with me for not rating Busio enough. And I'm very aware of you guys if you listen to podcasts, which I doubt they do. But um, I'm very aware of that. I, you know, watching him in the 2017, I'm sorry, the 2019 U17 World Cup was a frustrating experience. He was not good uh, at anything in that tournament. And, and neither was Reyna, really. So I probably put too, that probably affects the way I think about these players way too much. I'll cop to that. And I, I'll, and I also have to admit, I was, you know, he sort of proved me wrong last night. I said that on Twitter. He's, he, he played well. I thought he played it even better than you thought he played, I think. I think I'm a, I was a little more impressed than you were. I thought he brought a lot of rhythm to the game that we didn't have when you were there. There's like particular, like little, little stuff, like that one time where he just sort of, touches it and leaves it for for Sebastian Legit, to right? go through. Yeah. yeah. The aesthetic. We love the aesthetic. That's that's right up my alley. That's my Jesus Ferreira stuff right there. Well it's the aesthetic, but it's also just rhythm building. You know, we, we the the game starts to come a little more naturally for everybody and did when Busio was on the field for the most part. I mean outside of that, I think slightly unwise pass to Acosta and then he had a little bit of a hospital ball right at the beginning that didn't end up hurting us at all because it, it bounced right back to him. But no, uh, I, I totally agree. And when I mean, it, it, again, it's the Marky Delgado effect, right? We love Marky. Uh, <laughs> so Buzio is basically just the Marky Delgado of 2021. Uh, I thought he was I thought he was fine, too. Um, but it, it just goes. It's still a situation where it's against Haiti. So you can't really prove anything uh, in the positive way against Haiti. Like you just can't do it. Shaq Moorhead, you know, was involved in everything. That still isn't going to tell us that much. It's only if you're really bad that it proves something. So we learned a lot about a couple of the guys on the roster who couldn't do it against Haiti at home. Uh, We learned that some other guys should get another shot in the next game and hopefully get a bigger opportunity in the next game. Uh, But we can't, you know, you just can't prove something uh, that you belong against Haiti. You just can't do it in in this. It's just, it's just an unfair part of the game. Can we talk about that? So the sequence that got us on this whole thing was his uh, good diagonal into vines, right? Yeah, as a clipped. I mean, to call it a diagonal makes it sound like it's a forty-yard pass. It's just a oh, little sure. clip. It's a little clipped pass to the corner, right? So yeah, so I'll post. I'll post the screenshot of it. But it's again, it's just that gold cut back line where <laughs> Boozy has all the time in the world because it's a really good ball from Zardes off his head. Um, so he gets to survey the whole field, and you have like four Haiti defenders in like a eight yard radius around Buzio, and then you have one lone lonely Haiti center back. Who's like barely above the the, the box, pen, the penalty marker, yeah, himself. And so you just have a free onside run. Hilariously, like Haiti's left back is scrambling to work up the field to get even with the defenders closest to Buzio to like hold the offside line, not realizing that there's another guy 15 yards deeper than him. Uh, so we have, I mean, Buzio just has to hit the ball anywhere in in the green grass, and he's gonna he's gonna put four guys in on goal. He does so instantaneously, though. That's what I like well, about it. And um, it's a it's a good feathered ball. Oh, I love when you I talk just, about I, just, a, I love when you talk about a feathered ball. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying this isn't this doesn't have to be, you know, Fabregas springing, whoever Fabregas would have been springing in the last few years. Yeah, I forget who he was springing. Somebody will tell us. But this isn't again. I'm not I'm not uh, harping on Buzio for doing anything wrong here, and wasn't I don't think he did much wrong in the game. Just we, it's hard to make any real conclusions about him other than let's start him against Martinique and Canada. I just don't want people to think I'm a stubborn asshole, which I very <laughs> well may be, but uh, not in this case. I, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take an L on this happily. I'm glad. I'm glad Busio is better than I thought he would be in this game, and he was definitely better than Yule. I don't think anybody could disagree with that. Uh, and if anybody does disagree with that, they're corrupt and they're on the take. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, 79th minute, good challenge from Busio. So he had a he had some good defensive actions too. Good challenge from Busio. He gets a little hurt when somebody lands on his foot. Kind of a scary moment, but he was okay. And then the the last moment I have on the game. Are you raising your hand? Nope. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Turner's uh, Turner's box control. I'm a little worried about on that last the very last sequence. You know, I, I mean, it seems like he got fouled. He got like boxed out. 
but um, you know, he kind of comes out and flails at it uh, after it bounces up in the air, and then the, everybody's run, jumping all over the place. It could have been a could have been a goal. It ends up with Busio at Busio's feet, and he holds a guy off and gets fouled at the edge of the box. Basically, the last moment in the game. Yeah, probably probably fouled, but I, I still think he should do more to swim around that guy and force the issue for the referee, uh, rather than just kind of letting himself get boxed out and then kind of sticking the paw out at it. Um, did well to smother it a little bit at the guy's feet uh, in the last instance where he he denied any shooting angle and then did get his That's hands true. to the ball. Uh, and then and then it was cleaned up from there. Okay. Uh, what about what about Turner's distribution while we're on the topic? It wasn't great, right? No. Uh, he, looked, like, he looked very uncomfortable with the ball like, at his feet. Even just receiving the ball, right? Is that, I mean, is that what you kind of saw? Like, yeah. the first touch would kind of surprise him? Yeah, I haven't done full forensics on it, but it, my sense of it is he was uh, he didn't he didn't like to have the ball at his feet. So something to watch. Uh, we've already talked about Burhalter's stubbornness with regard to those who shall not be named, and then uh, well, we can talk about it one more time and again, just because Ariel is out, and it, now it feels like we have two more guys who, within forty minutes of this game, it was clear that they are probably jumped on the depth chart. You know what I mean? Like we were, Ewell came into the game on a bad trajectory uh, from Switzerland and Honduras, um, but those, that's not playing what not playing well in MLS either. By the yeah. way. Uh, but that's Swiss, you know Switzerland's very good, and then Honduras. I, you you could say well maybe just the moment got to him. Um, but but again, this then to have this happen after 40 minutes against Haiti, where it's like oh man no, this, there's just something really off here, uh, means that it again it'll be hard for me to see him going back into a game in a meaningful moment. So now you just have you're carrying a guy who you can't use, and I'd say the same exists for Jonathan Lewis, and he was supposed to be your number two winger, and your number one went down with injury, so you're suddenly left with like a really thin personnel group. Yeah. And and we're going to be relying on the versatility of a lot of players who are either, uh, who have proven it like Acosta, who's versatile. Legit has been versatile for us. And then the versatility of some other guys like a Matthew Hoppy or Nico Joachini who have definitely not proven it. So, um, it will definitely be interesting as we get into Canada and hopefully the knockout rounds, which we're pretty much, we can feel good about entering, but, that quarterfinal is going to look uh, dicier and dicier as we go here. Let's pray Acosta doesn't pick up a, a yellow uh, against Canada. Yeah, yeah. And he that was a good professional yellow from him after a bad touch. So I'm glad, you know you you put that you put that moment up against him at the Azteca back in 2017, I think it was when we drew them. Uh, he didn't. He could have fouled. Uh, I think it was Chicharito before the ball went out wide to Vela for the equalizer, and he didn't. So personal growth for sure for uh, for Acosta. The only other – okay, I wanted to say Vines and Joachini didn't look good to me, uh, but I, I'm not quite so mad about their inclusion because I was more curious about them. I think we still needed more data. And I, and I, I want to give them both a little bit of a mulligan uh, Vines because he's playing with Jonathan Lewis – on the left side. And I don't, I'm not trying to be mean, but I just think Lewis is really not good at anything right now at this level. I, like you said, he's probably better than us at anything we are good at. You know, he's probably better at soccer than we are at anything. That's probably fair. But, but, um, yeah, he's not, he, he, he'd be hard to play with if you're the left back, I would think. And then Joe Keeney's so, un- so obviously uncomfortable in this role on the right wing. Now, I mean, he's missing chances, Closer to goal too, so oof, I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I wouldn't hate to see a little bit more of of him. I wouldn't hate to see a little bit more of Vines. I would like to see Bello against uh, Martinique. And then my my last thought is, uh, is Shackmore was really really good. Did you uh, throw a little party about that last night? <laughs> That's what I, I, I've been saying it right all this time. Like we just have, uh, we've just sort of given spots to players without really taking a long look at the pool, and we just a lot of people I think are just dismissive about some of these options we have, like a Shaq Moore, uh, like a Dwayne Holmes. And it's just like, well, what, the Spanish second division? Okay. Like, they can just kind of laugh it off while we're talking about where uh, Aaron Herrera fits in the right-back depth chart. And uh, there's just – it's just – it should this should be a little bit eye-opening. And I don't know. Um, 
you know, should raise some questions about some other players who have sort of perennially been on the fringe without ever getting a shot. Uh, I don't know if that will actually happen or if, uh, I mean, again, Shaq Moore wouldn't have even been in the, in the camp if Araujo had, had accepted the call up. So he looked to me, he looked like an upgrade on Yedlin. I mean, again, like who knows with the level of competition and everything, but you know, he was up against he was up against experience, who I thought was one of the better players for Haiti. He was he he had his way with some of the other American players, and I thought can't I mean I thought Moore was got the better of him for the most part, and so to me, decent chance he's an upgrade on Yedlin should be challenging Cannon. I think somebody in the Discord said uh, if we if Cannon starts this game, we don't get that level of performance from our right back most likely. And it's a different soccer game. And I am inclined to agree with that. I'm not like going to sign in blood. but <laughs> I thought more pushed the game more than Cannon would. I feel like Cannon's a little bit more deliberate. Not that Cannon won't go forward. Yeah. Uh, but on the ball, at least, I thought I thought more was more like, let's go. Let, like the tempo, uh, let's, get, let's get things moving vertically. And that helps, or in this case, I think that helped with the rhythm he developed with Kellen Acosta. Because Acosta was much the same way of like, let's make something happen. Like, let's actually see if we're better than the defender who's up against us because we should be quite honestly. Yep. So more Acosta legit. I thought played pretty well. I thought, I thought Zimmerman played pretty well. Robinson. We haven't really talked about. What did you make of him? Uh, he did, uh, try to hit a couple of line breaking passes too. Again, where I don't know if it was, uh, we'd get impatient because it wasn't happening elsewhere. Um, but he was trying to like, uh, play a couple of balls through, not too many and not to much effect. So it, he didn't really do much, I, I guess I would say. He wasn't asked to defend all that much. Um, and he mostly just kind of tapped it over to Yule, who would tap it back to him and eventually would get to Zimmerman, and then things would happen. Right. Is that, is that unfair? Do I need to rewatch his, his, all his touches? No, I think uh, distributionally there's not there's not much to say about it. I think he was very safe and not... Much like Turner, not super comfortable with the ball at his feet, uh, but but yeah, I thought he he looked he looked formidable defensively to me, and I I I think that's a useful data point if we're looking for some you know for, in a pinch we need somebody to partner with John Brooks who can just defend and cover ground. I mean he's going to be able to do that long roll well, at we'll least see. serviceably. I mean, we'll, just like for a lot of these guys, the the real question will be. A week from you know Sunday when we play Canada. Yep, that's and that's that's when we're going to see whether Shaq Moore can defend uh, right now. Would have been would have been nice if that were Davies coming at him. <sighs> yeah, I mean, nice from a data collection point of view, maybe not nice from an outcome point of view. Well, do you think? Hold on, before we, before you abruptly end this, do you think uh, do you think Cannon's playing against Canada? Or do you think Shaq Moore is like taking over right back? Because that'd be a that'd be a heck of a leap. To just... I think it's going to be another test of Burhalter's stubbornness, you know. And there there have been a lot of these. Um, he was stubborn about trap, stubborn about Roldan, and now Roldan maybe he's back in the picture. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Stubborn, definitely stubborn about Yule and no, Lewis. Now he now now Berhalter's being stubborn about reinserting Roldan. Why doesn't why didn't Roldan get in that game <laughs> yesterday? We could. Why doesn't Berhalter do exactly what I want at every stage? Um, but you know, I think Cannon is kind of one of his guys, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. I bet. I bet Cannon. I bet Cannon plays against Canada, and then the real question will be who gets the the knockout game. Okay. And hopefully, there's more than one knockout game, but I'm not I'm not ready to say that yet. Okay. Yeah, I'm not ready to say that either. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see ya. 